Hey, you got the morning show with Aaron and John's in the studio. Welcome, John. <coughs> yeah, good morning. So John and I have just been cataloguing all the, the damage we've seen from the storm. As I've been saying, the transmitter, uh, we've got no power up at the transmitter site. Neither has Dreamview Creamery got power, which is why they had trouble with the milk yesterday. Uh, but they have got a generator, um, which is there waiting, ready to go. They're going to be all right. We're still on our, <coughs> our backup transmitter. John's just going through the pictures on Facebook that we've seen. Where's that bus stop, John? That's blown That's half over. B- bottom of Upper Winery Road, just where it joins up oh, with Winery Road. Yes, so yeah. Y- yet another bus shelter's gone. We had the one at Lorenzen Bay Road at the other end of town yes. last storm. Could people please not put joking posts on the notice board saying that that's now for sale or for, for anyone to take away? I, they think that's what happened to the last one. <laughs> yeah, probably. Which so, means it's going to take longer than even they were going to plan for. Yes, because yeah, they had to go and build a whole new one. Uh, scroll back up, John. We've also got, you were talking about the airfield. Um, oh, no, the the windsock by the airfield, which is um, on the... The rougher side, so not the not the quiet side on the with the with the strong well, currents. There's run. two wind socks, one on the road side and one on the opposite side of the airfield. Yeah. So is the sand um, well, been the, eaten? There were, to be more accurate. Has, has the has the land been eaten away at again along yep. there? Because um, it was only in August 2019 that they replaced the previous one, which also got eroded and blown over. Yeah. So we're, we're just going through a phase, because I, I interviewed the guys from Ecoast uh, last year, and I don't know if it affects it there, because this is different in the harbour, but they described a situation where sand moves up the coast, and, it, and it, it builds up behind a point somewhere, and so on the other side of the point, sand is scoured out, then all of a sudden a whole lot of sand will move around the point, and it'll fill back in again. Yep. <laughs> but this is, just, this is on the inside of the bar, isn't it? So is that different, well, do, you, do you think? <laughs> No, I, th- I think the sand just keeps on moving along all the time because uh, we're, we're now seeing elephant rock, which we hadn't seen for a year or so. It was completely covered in sand, and now it's completely uncovered. Right. So, you know, so we're so two meters or so of sand taken away to somewhere. Yeah, not not where we're looking, not by the airfield, <clears> obviously. Uh, but that was like when I was talking to the guys from East Coast. Elephant rock was barely visible, so that was last year when the surf tower had to be taken down. Yep. So in that time, it's suddenly become much more exposed. And that now they've moved even the temporary shelter that they had to replace the surf tower, so that beach is still eroding there as well. Yeah, which was which doesn't I don't think that surprises anyone. Um, but at some point, according to the theory, the um, the sand will come back, and this has happened in the past. But um, what else have we got, John? Oh, the jetty down the bottom of Bow Street, just about underwater. Did you see the break wall at Manu Bay is basically underwater right now? Uh, I can actually no, show I you. Didn't fo- see that one? I can show you. Well, I don't know why I'm showing John. No one else L- can see this. Lots of people have been posting lots of photos on the notice board, so it's quite interesting to see what's going on. Yeah, I've got the Surfline Surf Cam. One of them's gone down, but the one that's still up is showing where well, we can you can see right now you can just see the top of the break wall but then the next wave comes through and it disappears from view again so uh yeah john uh so that's one of the things on the community board agenda this time around which the community board's meeting tomorrow afternoon yeah i have been told by a couple of our community board members that the on the air that the meeting went it seemed to be productive that they had they had sorry they had a meeting a week or two ago with all the stakeholders involved with the break wall and uh, they did come to an, an agreement, and uh, some consultants have been sent away to come up with some designs for something, is my understanding. <clears throat> well, the wording says engineering ah. experts to provide uh, peer-reviewed options for the breakwater. So that means that quite a lot of engineers are going to look at it and decide what can be done and what's the um, possible options or best options. It's interesting because I was just looking up an, an old article and... Um, from 2018, and a council spokesperson there was saying that the uh, new break wall was really no different to the old one, and they wouldn't be making any changes. But um, I think everyone knows that it's different. <laughs> well, as it's, you, as it's currently under water. As you've got on the webcam there, it frequently gets overtopped, and when it does get overtopped, the rocks come over with it and block the uh, boat ramp. So, or, or you don't actually. The worst thing is you might not see them. Yeah, <laughs> and then you boat. We only discover them when the boat hits them as you come into the ramp. So yeah, so that's there's a possibility of a um, conclusion there now, I believe. 
which uh, is well, it's still a long way off, I think, because all they're doing is send engineers away to do the job they did what five or ten years ago. I've forgotten how long it was, but um, but they're, they're obviously obviously everyone's in agreement. Like they've they've been collecting data. I'm assuming everyone's in agreement now that something needs to be done. Yeah, well, the problem is what needs to be done because um, I think the surface feel it should never have been built there in the first place because it, it um, impedes the uh, left-hand brake that they've got there. Yeah, and there was you've told me stories of the, the history you've read that when it was first built, people would start building the ramp or the brake and then other people would come along and pull it apart. And that, That's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a controversial history, it remains controversial. Um, and uh, I can't remember the uh, reserves management plan for um, for Manu Bay. Um, it said uh, there's talk about returning that land. Is there, John? I've got to be careful what I say. There, I might not be right. Uh, well, certainly, there's negotiations going on about the airfield, which were mentioned in the previous community board agenda and in this one. Um, and uh, there's land claims in for virtually the whole of the Fangara area because most of it was. Um, but under fairly dubious circumstances because there's doubt as to whether they ever paid the final £50 to buy Raglan. So even the whole of Raglan could be up for grabs. Um, £50 isn't much these days, but it was in those days. Well, what if you add the uh, the compounding interest to it? £50 <laughs> might be yeah. a surprisingly large number these uh, days. Especially when you only paid £400 for the whole lot. So it was quite a significant proportion of what was being paid they ended up not paying. Yeah, this had dubious... Or possibly col- not paying. There's doubts over whether they paid it or not. Yeah, this is our dubious colonial history. But back to today, um, I just wanted to return. Uh, we mentioned the, the houses being flooded, or we saw one house anyway that was flooded um, over in Lorenzen Bay. And like this is happening more and more often, John? Uh, well, I don't actually know. 2018 is the last time it flooded at Lorenzen Bay like that. That's more often than you'd want, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know what's happened in the past, how often it's happened. And, and as I came in, I took a look at Wallace Street and the causeway there, and it, the, judging by the tideline, it was within about a metre of, or a metre's distance, but only a centimetre or two of not coming over Wallace Street and flooding into all that flat area right. back to Cross Street. So if we'd had that storm, like in a couple of days, we're going to have that peak tides. And if we'd had that storm during then, it probably would have washed over, wouldn't it? Yeah. By the um, sounds of that. Because we've, still we've got, got another... a temporary respite today, but then it's um, gradually going to get wetter and windier again from what I've seen in the forecasts. Uh, and the tides are rising. So, yeah, there could be problems later in the week. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the thing. It's the extreme weather events, which are becoming more extreme as well, as we know with climate change, combined with the, the just subtly higher water level generally is, is causing more and more problems. John, how easy is it to build um, a wall to protect your property? Like you have to get resource consent and all that carry on, don't you? Well, regional councils looking at what their strategies ought to be on climate change and discussing how much we might expect the sea to rise and um, whether it's feasible to do anything about any areas or just have a policy of retreat. So um, the district council seems to be preferring retreat because it's certainly the simplest and cheapest option. Um, but the people who own the houses won't be thinking they <laughs> want to retreat, will they? Well, certainly those at Port Waikato, which is worse affected than we are. Yeah, um, now there, they've been some, some, fairly, some fairly testy community meetings up there, haven't they, in the last few years? Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and if you're about to have your house swept away, you maybe feel quite strongly about it. Yeah, well, is there um, like a government compensation for it? Like, is it the same as like the Earthquake Commission is there to compensate people for natural disasters? Is there something like that for that situation? Not that I'm aware of. But they'll have, they'll have to bring that in, won't they? If climate change is going to affect lots of properties and, and the government accepts that it is now, um, surely they will be doing that. <laughs> well, that, that's the discussion that's going on at various levels at the moment, which is why... The regional council is looking at what its options might be. Uh, And so they had a sort of brainstorming session, was it last week or the week before, um, talking about (coughs) what might happen and um, how they might go about um, consulting, deciding all the other issues around this and what does happen to people who lose their property. Yeah. 
So if you want to build a wall, you have to get resource consent. If you want to replace your wall, I think you have to get resource consent. I might be getting out of my depth a little bit, folks, so don't take this as gospel. Well, work that's done in the coastal marine area usually requires a resource consent, which is why there's a question mark over when and if work, work's going to start on the wharf. But the reason, the re, the, okay. Uh, the reason I mention this is I, I've seen people doing things like um, they've got a wall that's falling apart. They've, you do retreat slightly. You, you put a more substantial wall immediately behind the existing wall, so you're doing work on your property. You're not doing stuff off your property. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's one option that people are taking. I also know people who um, every time they go for a walk along the, the water in front of their place, they'll grab a boulder and throw it in front of their their property. So you do that once a day for a few years and you've got better protection. Of course, the waves wash it away again. But, um, yeah, people are like, I think people are thinking about this a lot at the moment. Yep. Because um, one, one of the photos on Facebook also shows the damage done to the dune planting along the Wainamu Beach. Ah. Um, but then one of the objects of doing the dune planting is to build up that pile of sand so that it does reduce the effect of the sea and gives the sea something else to have a go at rather than moving further back. Can you describe for people exactly where you mean with this, the dune plant? Uh, that's north of the Riria Kariopa Memorial Drive car park at the end of the drive ah, there. Okay, of, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so a lot of dune planting has been done there for the best part of two decades now. Uh, and it has helped to at least maintain the dunes and build them up. But, yeah. So. One of the photos on the, I think it was the notice board, I saw it was showing quite a lot of damage up there and quite a lot of um, dune grasses scattered across the beach. It needs a groin. <laughs> that's how that's how you hold sand. Or Tex Rickard used to weave organic matter into the... Yeah, he used Manuka. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Is anyone um, doing that since he passed? Uh, well, they did try using tyres as well, and various things have been used, but at the end of the day, um, uh, as with the windsock, um, it seems that Tangaroa has its own way of doing things. And, um, yeah. <coughs> whatever we do, unless we build millions of dollars worth of seawall, which could be feasible, and you, you could build a seawall from one headland to another and um, do what the Dutch have done basically and keep the sea out. Yeah, they've just got a few million, few million more people behind the seawall than we have here. <laughs> you justify the expense a, l- a little bit more. Another area that's looking bad, I don't know if you've been and had a look at Papahua by the memorial there. Um, the um, More and more of that grass area, that's a really substantial amount, has been eaten away now. And I have to say, I know we've had COVID and things like that, but Council have been saying for a long time that they were going to do some dune planting there. I feel like I've had emails from council saying when it would happen, and it has not happened. And I know there's a new, there's a renewed determination to do that soon, but it's getting blooming late for that. Because yeah. <laughs> that's one of the things, that, as far as I can see, has dropped off the agenda, because uh, they were talking about doing it soon, and soon seems to have disappeared into the past. Well, look, I discussed this with Lisa Thompson at an interview a week and a half ago, and... Um, like she's on the campground committee as part of her role as councillor, and they have been talking about it. Like they don't want to lose that land, and she is a part of the hapu that whose whose uh, ancestor is buried there. So, because as we've discussed before, it changed once they removed the old footbridge and the causeway that led up to it. Yeah, well, that was effective. That's why I mentioned the word groin because that was effectively a groin with that um, structure built <coughs> out into the water as as far as they could do it back in the day. Um, and they're going to have to build a new one, I think. Yeah. Are, are they working on it <laughs> with, with, with urgency? That. Yeah. Are they working on it with urgency? Uh, who knows? Because council very rarely tells us quite what's happening. Things suddenly happen. So, so somebody asked me what was happening with the old wooden footbridge along Winery Road near the sewage ponds, um, where the um, road again is flooded at high tide sometimes. Um, was it flooded recently? Was it flooded last night? I don't know. I've not heard. And, um, maybe the people at Wainui Road are stuck up there or something. <laughs> well, they'd come out with a low tide. They'd be all right. I, I suspect the wind wasn't quite in the right direction for that to happen, but yeah. it's well, hard to tell. Yeah, to the high tide now. So. Yeah, although tonight's one is higher. Tonight's is 3.1 metres on the yeah. scale, almost well, For reasons I don't understand, the nighttime tides are consistently higher than the daytime tides. 
So maybe the sun and the moon are both pulling the same way at night. Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to sleep, it comes to get you. Uh, and just to, just to add to the fun, John, uh, there's been a leak in the uh, campground's uh, pump, or the pipe from their pump, and water is once again flooding onto the soccer fields where the junior kids play, and once again it's too flooded. I doubt they'll be able to practice in the junior area this week. Seabirds will enjoy that. They have been, John. <laughs> they have been all over it. Um, it's... It's my pet topic. It's, this is my last year of being involved with soccer. My daughter will be past school age next year. And I'll, I, it's been frustrating because um, it, it's the kids. There's no, like if someone important wants something done, everyone rushes around and does it because it's the kids. Um, there's always problems. And there's the, the added confusion that the um, that site, who's actually in charge of looking after it, you know, it's... Well, who's in charge of looking after most things? It seems to be a sort of fairly hit-and-miss way of doing things. Cause, and I have known councils where they regularly went round and checked all their assets and, and did it on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Well, that's what they do in Hamilton. And the, and the, and the, um, the sports organisations get told by council, uh, we've checked the fields today, you can't use them today because if you do, it's going to cut the grass up too much and we won't last the season. Here, we do that. The, club, the soccer club does it. I presume the rugby club does it for themselves as well. Uh, we have to make sure that we don't play when it's too wet because we know the consequences. And when we need help from council, it's always very slow to come. Uh, so, yeah, I look at Hamilton and the fact that they've got people on the job all the time protecting the fields, protecting the assets, and we're just left. Um, uh, we're just left. <laughs> okay, we've got local elections coming up. Are you going to stand? No, but no, no, I'm not. Um, but again, it's it's our our local politicians know about this issue and they care about this issue. Um, but it's the power of or the lack of power in the community board certainly makes it difficult. Um, yeah, yeah, because um, the community code, uh, the community booked. Um, Charter is on the agenda as well this time, so it'd be interesting to see what discussions come up tomorrow on the community board with regards to that. And and it, it does say that the council can decide to delegate more power, but the council doesn't decide to delegate more power to the community board. No, the, well, they prefer they prefer that's the current situation where you have a good relationship, and that's how get things get done. But well, they're scared. That's they're scared the of giving. Code says that. Yeah, <laughs> they're scared of giving the power and a community board going uh, off the deep end like does uh, has happened. Yeah, okay, it seems to me. Or, certain, or certain individuals on the community board. I should not tar the whole brush with the stuff that's happened in the past. The community board could use its um, influence to actually do more in the way of. Um, being an advocate um, for the interests of the community, as it says in the charter. Um, so I, th- I think a new community board maybe needs to look at that um, clause in the charter that they've got and see if they can do more about being an advocate rather than just um, express the community's views, which is another part of their role. I think one of the issues is that I see is that the, remun- the remuneration you get for being on the community board is very small. <coughs> You've just allows for maybe a few hours a week. And unless you're going to volunteer, which is what Lisa does. So Lisa's a full-time councillor, even though she's... Well, that's the councillor. Yeah, she actually gets paid for half a week. The community board gets paid for a couple of hours or three hours or something a week. Yeah. And they do, and they all do, <laughs> mostly all do way more than they're paid for. <clears throat> and so we're asking them to be even more of an ad- advocate for the community, like they've got to find the time in their lives to do that. Yeah, it's always this problem between people who are paid and people who volunteer. Um, I think people like the ambulance have that problem. That some are paid and some volunteer. Um, it's very. I know from working in that sort of situation and being paid that it's very often tempting to look at the clock and say, right, done my hours now, that's it. Um, whereas volunteers don't look at the clock, they just get the things done. Yes. <clears throat> well, I must still be a volunteer then. I was down here at 10 o'clock on Sunday night switching the backup transmitter on 
So because the uh, main one had lost power. Okay, well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well It'd be done. Good me. to have more people who work for organisations that do the same. But, uh, yeah, but the town does where you draw the line between working and volunteering. The town does rely on volunteers. We we're talking about that yesterday when we had uh, community patrol here. Like it's a small town, and there's some services that can't be replicated that happen in the big cities, and we are reliant on volunteers. But John, should we look at uh, things that are on the the? Should we start at the top? Of the agenda that you've got there for the community board meeting, the community board's happening on Wednesday at one thirty. That might be today if you're listening early at seven thirty in the morning, um, and it's and it will be in person in the town hall supper room. Yeah, because this isn't the order that's on the community board agenda. This is what I thought were the more interesting things at the top and the less interesting things at the bottom. That we've already discussed a few of the things at the bottom, so maybe I've got it wrong. Well, we'll just say this is John's perspective, and then it's right. <laughs> Uh, the first thing on the list is uh, Andrew Murphy, senior constable, local senior constable, will be here to talk about CCTV and the uh, needs some upgrade work done. So he's got some plans, um, and we'll hear more about them. That'll be the first thing once the meeting starts after the open forum at two o'clock, as in, as in he'll be on at two o'clock. Yep. So it shows that it is worth talking about things at the community board public forum because that was raised at the last one, and yeah. now we've got somebody along. To talk about it, whether it gets beyond talking remains to be seen. I think it will. I think there's a sense of urgency around this, but nothing is guaranteed, John, as we know. Um, the We Near a Walkway, which is between the jetty and the, the Bow Street jetty and the footbridge and the fire station. Yes, thank you, John. Yes. Um, that's it. Early st- like the council said something needs. To- no, they said there's problems. And then it was kind of left hanging, so the community board says, OK, what, what, what's happening? Because <laughs> the, the problem said that it was going to collapse within five years in some places, and certainly you look at parts of it, and there's nothing but a fairly thin layer of concrete holding it up and a big hole underneath the concrete. Was that kind of like just laid over the clay or whatever was there back in the day when they did it? Or maybe there were some stones? Uh, well, you look at the old 1910 photos, and they show a sheer cliff there. Um, so they must have hacked away at the cliff and pushed some of it down into the sea and um, yeah. sort of d- done a bench into the cliff. That, yeah, that's how they built that walkway. And, uh, the, and the cliff is still hacking away at itself, really, isn't it, if you look at that <laughs> when you walk along? Yeah, well, it, it's all soft um, volcanic deposits, so they're fairly easily eroded, and that's what's been happening. And... Um, it was done, I've never understood why they did it during the First World War, but it was done then. Um, maybe there thought, were some soldiers here who had nothing to do. They were like, <laughs> right, let's get them, get them busy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this was their practice for getting into the trenches. You can build a walkway for us. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, yeah, anyway, it was built at that time, so I'm not sure how thoroughly anything was done. Um, in building standards have evolved even since the. 1980s they're now looking at knocking buildings down that were built then because they're not earthquake strength um so things that were built in 1915-16 are probably even more so and it has gradually been slipping away ever since there have been various reports in the old papers from about the 1930s onwards saying that they were doing repairs on it and that it was in a bad state but um and it's in a bad state now if you look at parts of it and certainly that's what the tonkin taylor report um, confirmed. So you can see this at low tide if you have a look. Uh, well, you can see it from the footbridge. Yeah, if you look back from the footbridge at that walkway, then um, you can see where most of the holes are. Right. Last time I went across the walkbridge, it was so windy I was just trying to hold on so I didn't blow <laughs> away. But uh, it was yesterday <laughs> afternoon, so I didn't notice. But uh, we'll take your word for it, John. So uh, there has been a design received. Are we looking at? Yeah, we are. Okay. So. Perhaps, and it's been passed to a staff member for review. Will we see that at the board meeting, John? Uh, is it, se- is it seemingly the, not, because otherwise not I would have expected to see it on the agenda, yes. and it's not on the agenda. Okay, all right. Well, bear in mind that the agenda gets prepared quite some time before the meeting. Um, that's probably what happened there. But, I suspect uh, it's going to go to the infrastructure meeting, which is next week. Okay. So I think it's probably going to be on the infrastructure agenda, but um, it always seems odd that the community board... It's the last to know about these things, so the report's obviously available, but not being presented to the community board. Yes. Uh, don't pretend you're surprised, John. <laughs> I, I said it always seems odd, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet again. Yeah. 
Uh, the wharf structural repairs, um, I know we talked to Gabriel last week, so that's a negotiation s- stage with a, with a um, con- contractor at the <coughs> moment. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure what's happened to the resource consent applications because regional council told me that they hadn't received it and they haven't yet updated that, and yet it says that resource consent application has been submitted. Um, well, they want to start in July or something, don't they, or August? Oh, no, don't, no, don't quote me on dates, folks. I'm getting there. But <laughs> oh, I, no, you're right. They do say that they're hoping to start in July, but I think, like most things, it's pretty optimistic. I was talking about that wooden footbridge next to the sewage works um, and that it was first suggested that it should be culverted back in 2019 and here we are in 2022, it's finally being done and you and I have been talking about it on and off ever since. (laughs) It's not too bad, John. (laughs) It's only three years. It's it's quicker than getting a swimming pool done, which was 1910 when they first suggested that. It's a bit cheaper than a swimming pool, (laughs) to be fair. Um, it's fairly expensive um, cycleway, walkway that they're putting in there because um, it's concrete and they're putting in that extra culvert there. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the high tides do with that, whether they submerge it. Yeah, it, it all depends on I, I, where the wind's blowing. And I know we don't often get pure northerlies, although we did the other day, but if you've got a king tide and a northerly, it does push the water across the harbour. <clears throat> and then it gets into the little inlets there, and I think it would flow around to that area. Yeah, because that's one of the aspects that Tonkin Taylor mentioned in their report on this um, walkway um, ran by the footbridge that it could be subject to tidal inundation. So my guess is that their solutions will involve putting it a, a metre or two higher, which would also help with the problem of getting access up to Winera Street. So one of the original plans was to extend Electric Avenue and have a walkway going uh, across Wienera Street and to the footbridge. Yeah, our previous councillor, Clint Badley, was keen on that idea, going through the uh, council-owned property you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. One so there'd be some, Street. Yep. Yeah, there's some ste- so there'd be some steps coming up where the, where the earth cliff faces at the moment. But if the walkway down below was raised... Because at the moment, that walkway, you have to go up a ramp to get to the footbridge, whereas if you went down a ramp to get to the footbridge, or um, that then, uh, or in fact the footbridge at that end was raised, then it would make it that much easier to access between the two levels. I think we're overestimating how much money is available at council. for the. We might be overestimating how much money is available to get work done there. It would be nice to do it all properly. Have they got the cash to do it? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, because one of the problems seems to be that they had this money given out for COVID schemes and that seems to have disappeared into the ether. Um, so it be interesting to find out eventually how much of the two and a half million for the wharf and how much of the, was it 250,000 for Bow Street has actually been made available? Well, though, uh, the, but those were from government funds, weren't they? Yes, yep. But I, I'm not convinced that council ever got round to fully spending those. So I think government's taken them back, or partly taken them back. But I'm not sure okay. of that. So. Well, the wharf's still been done, though. Yeah, but there's... Like, there's negotiations going on right now. I'm sure they're trying to spend every last penny. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the problem over the tender evaluation that they're doing at the moment as to how much they can get out of what money they've got. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to be in the room for that one. John, should we have a little break? I know we don't always do this, but uh, we were supposed to have a little break sometime during the hour. So we'll do that and we'll just have a quick look at the things that we're going to do next. Yeah, we've got to pay the rent. Yes, indeed. And my, and my wages, John. My wages get paid by this as well. Radio Whangaroa 98.1 FM. Hey, you're listening to The Morning Show with Aaron. John's still here in the studio. Welcome back, John. The sun's come out. It has, yes. I don't know. If, well, it said it's going to be sunny today at times. So yes. I think today's the best day of the week from what I saw. Yeah, not a good week then, is it, <laughs> weather-wise? But uh, people have been wanting some rain for a while. For months they've been saying we need some rain. Um, I feel like maybe we've had enough now, but yeah, it's not going to um, stop. Well, we have been thinking of doing some tree planting at the bush park, and we were putting it off because it was too dry, but I don't think we've got that excuse anymore. Yeah, the um, the soccer fields didn't get, uh, over in Papahua, they didn't get their normal autumn growth. And they're oh. going to be a bit of a mess by the end of the season, I think, because just, there was just no grass, of, no substantial grass growth. 
but it's still relatively warm. It's still around about 12 degrees, going up to about 16 today. So. Yeah, the, the, so the grass will grow. The trouble is there's bare patches, and they won't grow now because people keep running over them with sprigs on their boots. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that's, uh, the kikui is tough, but, but when it, you actually get a bare patch, it's hard to come back during the season. Anyway, uh, we're supposed to stop talking about the fields, and we're talking about uh, the Whangaroa Harbour Study, which was part of the government-funded work for the wharf. Uh, was it, John? Yes. Yeah, it right. was, yeah. And last month we were told we were going to see the report, and this month we're again being told we're going to see the report, so we'll see it when we see it. But people did have the chance to make submissions. There were 90 online submissions, 30 at the public forum, and 60 from key stakeholders. What's a key stakeholder, John? Is that like an organisation, like, a, say, the fishing club, for example? I, I've never really understood the definition of stakeholder because it seems to me that we're all stakeholders because we all use the harbour, look at the harbour, live okay. by the harbour. So. so as a key stakeholder, someone that they'll pay more attention to, perhaps? Yes. It's not, it's not the way that council would ever describe it, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, Or people that if they don't pay attention to, they're going to hear from them. I suppose there's another way of looking at it. Um, <clears throat> I think it's mainly those that they want to hear from rather than those they don't want to hear from. But. Okay. But so that's right, my cynical view of it. Yeah, obviously there's a hierarchy there of stakeholders. That's all we've all we've uncovered, and uh, there's not much else to say really about that. Uh, well, one of the other things on the agenda is um, again the Orca Crossing. So that's where people walk um, between. We've just been talking about the Winera Walkway and the footbridge. Um, so coming off that, you come if you stay on one side of Bow Street then you're okay, you've got a footpath. But if you try and cross over to Orca, then um, particularly going the other way, when Orca is blocking your view, um, you can't see what's coming around the corner. Um, so it's been recognised that that's not a very good crossing for um, probably at least 20 years, if not more. Um, and there is an old photo of people lying in the street there, but it's not very safe to do that anymore. <laughs> we, d- we don't advise that. <laughs> Uh, it is, and it, it is, a, it is a place you could feel like you could lie lie in the street because it's it's a very kind of you come up from the water, it's all relaxed and chill, and you just kind of wa- amble across the road to walk down the side where Orca is and to like Wallace Street. Um, but yeah, not a good idea. Pay attention to the cars coming, folks. Yeah. <clears throat> so the the only thing that council has said on that is that they're waiting for the community board to organise a meeting about it. And they said that last month, and it's still yeah, so that rather six weeks ago, and it's still not happened. I, it may have happened since I last interviewed someone. I'm not sure. We might find out more at the meeting. Um, it's a matter of getting I've all the right not people heard together. About a meeting, but maybe you have. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm, my memory is not like yours, John. Where I remember hard facts and figures, I just have a vague idea. I know that they've been trying to organise one. I know that people have been away and stuff like that, um, but. Nothing of substance has certainly happened yet. Yeah, it's all a matter of what you remember, because I, I can't remember what the um, hits were in the Raglan Music Month, but you can probably reel them all off. You want me to tell you that I can tell you who was number one? That was Fire by Parabola West. Yeah, I, I did manage to remember that one. I can't remember the others. Uh, so, yeah, the, um, the, there's quite a lot of reports on uh, transport things this time, because um, they transport engineer Gareth seems to have decided that reporting every quarter is the thing to do so this is the quarter when he's reporting so we've got um, mentioned that the rocket Pohyakana uh, footpath cycleway is under construction the Greenslade footpath I'm interested he calls it footpath rather than footpath cycleway um, is um, going to have a community planting day arranged in July. So this is the path from the end of Green, or sort of near the end of Greenslade Road through to Lorenzo Bay Road? Yeah. Okay, yep. Uh, <clears throat> parking um, keeps on calling Upper Bow Street, and we've discussed where Upper Bow Street is before, and I'm still not totally sure of that. That I rather thought it was the whole of Bow Street that we're talking about for angle parking. Yeah, so Upper Bow Street is officially a name, street, and that's up by the water tower. Uh, what this means, because I've asked during interviews, is where we are. Okay. Where, this is, <laughs> as opposed to, like, because there was an angle parking, parking put further down the road from us, uh, like near ISO Bar around there, uh-huh. and, and, and the shack. Um, so they, and it's been, it's worked out well, so they're doing more up Bow Street. 
Yeah, I'm not sure it's not going to make it too narrow and somewhat dangerous, particularly if you're cycling down here, but we'll see what happens. And people will use skateboards down here as well, so anyone who's not in a car, and even in a car, I suspect if someone's reversing out and not being careful, they could, well, have a minor bump. Yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll find see out. We'll works. <laughs> uh, what else have we got, John? Um, so, yeah, there's uh, Rose Street where they say that they have no resources available to undertake this work at present. So what was the problem with Rose Street? Uh, Rose Street's just next to the wharf, so quite a lot of boaties want to park their boat trailers there. And that's um, half off the road. Rose Street are not too happy with that. Well, they're getting stuck. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are yeah, people are parking in places they shouldn't be. Basically, uh, parking barriers outside Super Value, which was again a public forum issue last time. The council's now saying those are going to cost um, three hundred and fifty dollars each. Uh, so relatively expensive, plus installation costs. Honestly, John, I would have said that's quite cheap for uh, anything that the council has to purchase, and, and the cost of the building industry at the moment. It'll be cheaper. It'll be cheaper than what they do with the We Near a Walkway. Yep, I was probably looking at what an all-up price of about five thousand or so. Yeah, that's that's uh, loose change for the council. <laughs> yes, um, which is why our rates keep going up. Um, <laughs> lo- local bus. Um, if the next week's community infrastructure committee uh, approves it, then we might get a bus by October. But I suspect that's another deadline that's going to slip as well. Well, well I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be at the more recent infrastructure committee. No, I, th- I think it'll be there. Well, the, the they question did say is, it was going to the next infrastructure committee, which it didn't. So it's going to the one next week instead. They say. I, yeah, I think they said again the trouble with the definition when they say next in council, they just mean. We've written next, a report for that one, so we put it the into next the next one. We're yeah, writing our reports like, for. Well, it's like yeah, I've written my report and I've given it to the people who make the make up the minutes, and. Um, and whenever they get it, and it's actually when it goes in, I guess, I guess that's how it works. I think it will be at the meeting, though. And the real question is whether the infrastructure committee is willing to shell out some money to have a two-year bus trial for an internal bus in our community, and I think a couple of others. Well, they've already got it in their long-term plan, so they've already got hundred thousand a year for three years in their long-term plan, and one oh. year has already gone past. So that means effectively they've got. 300,000 spend over two years. They were bargaining on having some money from central government, though. Yes. And they haven't got that. Well, that would have been another 100,000 on top of their 100,000, which um, yeah. w- would have provided a, a much better base. But one with 150,000 a year, you should be able to do quite a bit. One of the things that might count against this is that the council usually won't they, – they don't normally put up all the money for something like this. Normally they get help from central government, and they may not be willing – to set the precedent where they put up all the money. And, of course, my grumble is that they've already spent way more than that on the airfield. So. Different pot of money, though, isn't it, John? <laughs> I don't know where that money is coming from, whether it comes from parks or whether it's contingency fund. But We know it doesn't come from um, the airfield landing fees. <laughs> True. Because <laughs> there's not enough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, Bayview Road, Government Road, is another um, issue that, the community board's been going on about for a few months now, and the council's considering additional signs to advise on the concealed junction. So it looks as that's as far as that one's going to go. They say they haven't done any cycle counts, um, so they haven't a clue whether their cycleways are going to increase cycling or not. Back so they've not that, got a base figure to work from. Are you still talking about that intersection? Uh, no, I've just moved on to the item above, uh, just to confuse you. Oh, right. no, I am confused. <laughs> okay. Um, who wants to help with a survey, John? Is that your question? <laughs> yes. Right. Because <clears throat> uh, very often elsewhere volunteers do help with doing cycle count surveys, and it can be quite interesting. You get to stand in one place for an hour or two and watch how many people cycle by and usually count how many people walk by as well. And what, you, what you get there? some idea of um, what the issues are and where people are having problems, whether they're finding it difficult to cross a road or any, any other issue that might be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's come to the Bayview Government Road thing. That was interesting to me because the bureaucracy basically said, we've got a, uh, we've got a bylaw review coming up uh, in, a, in a while and we want to do this then. And then they started saying, if we put up a... If it's not done with the bylaw and we put up a... What do they want to put there? A, st- a stop sign? 
Yeah, well, that was the request. Oh, no, hold on. Bayview Government... Well, that's up at the top of the hill there where you come yeah. up Simon Road um, and you yeah. meet Bayview and Monaco Road and Government Road, so they all join at that junction. And they don't join up in a straight line. If you come The first time you drive up Simon Road and over onto Government Road, it freaks you out because you suddenly realise you can't just keep driving straight. You'll end up on a footpath. Uh, but, yeah, the, the, uh, the reason for not doing it, given, was that if it's not done with the bylaw review, the police can't enforce, enforce the, um, the stop sign. Yeah, and the and, hill's and that steep that probably all most people can see is the bonnet of the car. <laughs> yeah, you can What's actually see. Once you've driven there a few times, you know. I mean, you can't see if, if there's no cars coming, you can't see the road, so you're not sure if you can see. But once you've had some experience there, you know that you can see a car if it's coming. But uh, the reason to not do it was that the right away was that the police couldn't enforce it. But I didn't think that was a good reason. I thought, okay, the police can't enforce it, but you still put a stop sign there, and you still get people, some people to stop, and you still make it a bit safer. Yeah. But the, the bureaucracy has won that one. The thing that's not been mentioned is that they have reduced the speed limits across the whole of Raglan from 50 to 40. It's a good and point, actually. I, I don't know whether that's having an impact there, because the, the, there were three crashes recorded in the last 20 years on that junction. Um, and it could be that having reduced the speed limit, it does make it easier for people to stop in time. Yeah, you could be right, John. You could be. So that one might be up for debate for the future. Uh, next, next one on the list: Greenslade Road Junction Safety. Ooh, oh, that speed hasn't been reduced. Quite a bit about um, with Gabrielle last yeah. Friday, I think, was it? Yeah. So um, probably we don't need to mention that one again. Uh, Except that if you think agenda. if you think the council works slowly, it's got nothing on NZTA, um, who are in the process of dealing with this issue. But it has been taken a couple of years already, and it's going to probably take two or three more, I think. Yeah, and the report does say that they're cutting the grass, so that's their contribution, safety, so the visibility is better. Well, I mean, you should do that. That's good, I guess. Um, I just don't like the argument that there's a concealed junction sign, because the issue is not that there's a concealed junction. The issue is that there might be uh, a, a, people sitting in the road, middle of the road. What do you call that? A hidden queue. There might be a hidden queue as you come around the corner uh-huh. and someone's just sitting there in your way and you've got nowhere to go. I think that's what everyone's worried about, and they think a concealed sign, concealed junction sign is adequate. I think big red hidden queue signs are required. And, and council want to reduce the speed limit there down to 60 rather than 100, so... That, that but they can't. Be, I know they can, well, they can't whilst they don't own the road, because yeah. they don't own the road because they'd have to spend $2 million on the culvert there, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, to explain what John just said, that part of the State Highway 23 will be given to the council by NZTA, but the council doesn't want it until NZTA's done some work there that costs about $2 million um, just on the town side. of Is the town side of the Greenside Road intersection? Yes. Yeah. They, they did quite a lot of work there about five years ago, and I don't understand what's wrong with the work that they did then, but there must be something wrong with that culvert. Yeah, so eventually all of this will be resolved. It's just the issue of how soon, I think. Yeah, um, maybe we need civil defence to be there. Because you talked to Lisa, was it last week or the week before, and I didn't hear anything about civil defence because she's supposed to provide an update according to the community board agenda, and that's been listed for quite a while now, so quite she wasn't happening at, now, I don't know. She wasn't at the last meeting. She was away. so That could be it. Yeah, so presumably we'll get that this time. And it's just, it's a, just a general strategy for civil defence. This is an issue that's never been fully worked out. Um, you know, it's gone in too hard basket and even when Bob was pushing it hard he didn't make much progress with it you just need a plan what happens when there's a civil defence emergency I know that we'll be broadcasting and I know that we've got the equipment to do it uh, one way or the other even if the town hall gets totaled we can still broadcast because we've got a generator as well even if the power goes down yeah yeah like we're, we're, we're well set uh, I'm buying some little itty bits to go with it to make sure everything runs smoothly at the moment um but who are we taking instructions from, and where's the information coming from to broadcast the important, you know, the, to the locals about what's happening? We don't know. And how many people have got radios with batteries that work to listen to the radio? Yeah. So this is, it hasn't been Lisa working on this up till just this year, I think. There's been other people, and I, I remember when Linda Cole was on the community board, she was hauling some poor unfortunate guy from council over the coals for not having performed on that. And I felt sorry for him, but by the same token, he hadn't really done the work. So, and that's how long ago is that, John? Five, six years ago? 
I would have thought it was more like 10 years ago, but maybe I'm wrong. It's not that, far, it's not that long ago. But it's certainly been talked about for a long time. Supposedly, since the Christchurch earthquakes, there's been renewed interest in this, but I suspect that that's all dying off now. Kind of that sense of urgency you get from a big event like that, I think that's gone. So, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, the, anyway, that's all we know. Yep, there's quite a good Raglan Naturally report this time, which is talking about Youth Week and Matariki, which is coming up. Yeah, and the Youth Week event, I was just talking to someone yesterday who was at that because I, I didn't get to it, and that was well attended by young people, so that's cool. Uh, Matariki is happening, the event that they are planning is on the 26th of Sunday, and they'll close a little bit of Bow Street um, down opposite Trade Aid, that area there. Um, and today, speaking of closing Bow Street, John, have you seen the... Uh, the World Rally Championship uh, notifications. Yeah, that came out yesterday. So, um, well, there were two things that came out yesterday. The Friends of uh, Fonga Coast put out a survey and the council put out a survey. I think probably the council survey is the one to respond to if you're limited in time. So have a look at the council's website and they invite you to support or oppose having the World Rally here and closing Bow Street and a whole load of other roads for a couple of days. Yeah, there's a couple of circuits over the, uh, north of the harbour, the Tiako area, but also around the mountain and around through to Tamata area there. And um, yeah, and a bit of Bow Street, they said, and the, 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 the publicity piece says, so we so the public can get close to the cars. I don't know why we need to close Bow Street for that to happen. If they're just parked, we can just go and look at them. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I've not understood that either. Um, I think that's that's probably actually... That's probably the thing that would upset more people. As people come down, down and they say, why have you closed Bow Street? Just what, so pe- some people can look at the car. I don't want to look at a car. I just want to go to a shop. I think they'll probably offend more people by doing that than they will with the mess they make of the rural roads. Yeah. I wonder if Satnam will vote for it because uh, his supermarket will be accessible and the other one will. <laughs> <laughs> Conflict of interest time. Yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, they both theoretically stand to, uh, it's supposed to bring some money to the town. But I don't think, one-off events are nice, but you can't rely on them to support, sustain your local economy. So, it's, yes, it's nice that there's uh, research showing that, that they'll bring money to town, and I'm sure the um, business owners are more than happy to see it, um, but it's not a, a long-term solution to Yeah, because on one-off events, we've also got Sound Splash listed as being 18th to 25th of January and closing the airfield and winery reserve. So, If the airfield's not already closed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we started off by discussing the erosion there. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, that, yeah, we haven't even talked about the other issues. Uh, oh, we should say, in fact, I did talk to Taruki Thompson from Nati Mahanga uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they did have the meeting with Andrew Little, who was in town to discuss the fact that local iwi want to represent themselves in negotiations and not be represented by iwi over the other side of the divvy. And... Uh, these things are always slow moving, but it was a positive experience with Andrew Little. They're saying so, and I think I think they should. I mean, it seems to me it seems logical that they represent themselves. I'm not an expert in this area at all, but it seems fairly straightforward. Yep. So um, she's since asked me to stop campaigning on the airfields, and I'm not sure whether that was linked to his, his visit or whether that was her own idea. But anyway, uh, moving I, on I to do, another well, have, uh, another other issue, which is controversial with local <laughs> iwi as horses on beaches. Oh yes. So councils apparently got the um, bylaw wrong. It didn't get it approved properly. So horses can go on beaches, but they're still asking people not to. Oh, now, John, can I just surmise? I'm going to uh, read between the lines here. The people who want to ride the horses on the beaches must have got uh, must have employed someone. Yeah, they got a, an injunction. An injunction. Oh, that's oh. So now we've got. As well as oh, there's so many there's so many cultural issues at play here, cultural war issues at play. There's also like there's wealthy people versus people who don't have quite that much money, um, and and it's true they they didn't they, they didn't actually ban, I don't think they banned horses from the beach. I think they banned horses from the bit of land that gets to the beach. Am I right about that? No, they they did think that they'd change the bylaw so that horses couldn't be on beaches, um, but yeah. Um the way things are going, there won't be a beach there soon anyway. The sand keeps <laughs> moving away. Well, in various places there'll be a beach, but not necessarily in the same place all the time. Yeah, I. this is... Um, I have a sense... I, I don't feel good about this scenario. Um, this is people with money having a fight, and there are real problems with horses on that beach. 
Um, and I know it's great fun to ride a horse on a beach. It's a wonderful experience for people. I, I haven't done it myself, but I'm told it is. But um, there have been real problems. Maybe they can ride the them beach. on Norrie Avenue instead because you're allowed to take livestock on Norrie Avenue once a week. Are we, John? How do you know this? <laughs> this is one of the strange things that's been discussed this morning, I think, at the um, policy committee. Do you yeah. think that might, it might be your last chance to drive your stock down Norrie Ave? I don't understand that one. Most of the um, – and they've, they've got proposed livestock movement by law, which they're discussing this morning. And I'm sure there must be a mistake in it because maybe, maybe it's for the calf day or something like that at the school. Um, but right, but they don't have <laughs> it at the area school. They've also got the numbering of Norrie Avenue wrong, so it goes up to about number 700, according to them. But, in fact, it ends at 55. Where would 700 be, like Rangatahi or something, <laughs> if it kept <laughs> yeah. going across the water? Over the, into the next piece of water. That's um, just interesting to see things like that. No doubt they'll correct it by the time it comes out for consultation. But, um, your, your point about having a, a, a calf club day is, is would be good, except that they don't uh, they don't have it. At, I don't know when they last had it at the area school, if they ever did. They just have it at Tiuku school now. Not even a lamb? Well, maybe a lamb turns up from <laughs> time to time. Um, but it's, I'm also interested, like, as Noriev if you can do that on Noriev, but can you do it on the main road? Because if you can't do it on the main road, how do you get to Noriev? Um, yeah, well, m- maybe you have your horse truck or cattle truck or something which drops them at the entrance to the school and they have to walk along Norrie Avenue. I, I don't know what the idea was, but maybe okay. we'll hear more when it comes out for consultation. But I feel like, John, that this is not a terribly important thing to be discussing. I've just noticed we're four minutes past the hour. Yeah, I just so thought it was an amusing thing. But it um, is funny. Um, you're trying to understand it, I think, is our mistake. Um, <clears throat> we've also got a progress report, which isn't on the community board agenda, about the Waters Governance Board. We talked about that last time. Um, reserve management consultation is open, so um seems to me that there's a couple of issues there that people might want to put in submissions on the airfield that we've already talked about and the toxic sprays which are also mentioned in there so if those are things you've got bees in your bonnet take a look on the council's consultation page for that or if you have considered serious concerns john yes (laughs) (laughs) um we've talked about the world rally championship yes Um, you could just front page of the website there's a link to comment on that yep uh, and local elections, uh, oh, yes. they're running this uh, one hunger on the 19th of June, so that's mentioned in the community board agenda as well. So that's uh, this weekend, and that is yeah about uh, wider representation, more democratic representation in councils generally. Um, there's a movement to, to get that to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... If you are concerned about some of the things you've been hearing, then you might like to think of standing and to get a better idea of what to do, how to do it. You might like to go along to that one, Anger. Yeah, and I'll be doing an interview. I'm planning to do an interview with them. I haven't confirmed it yet, but on Thursday morning on the show, hoping to do that. Okay, yeah. sounds good. All right, John, thanks for coming in. And uh, you're on the air tonight too at, at 7, 6? Uh, yep. At 6? At 6, th- yeah, 6 to 7.30. Okay, you're doing it from home via Zoom? Uh, probably, That's yes. That's good because we need to... Um, there's going to be some music in the studio for the next show after that. We need to do some practice so we can do that if you're not here. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right, folks, end of the show for the day. I'll be back again tomorrow morning.